Welcome to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel, and we are starting a brand new resource for our church so that during the week we can stay connected spiritually and with each other. I have with me a special guest, and I'll introduce him when we come back. Welcome to Oakwood Connect. I am excited to be starting a spiritual series that I, I hope and is our prayer will minister to your soul during Sabbaths, during uh, the week uh, as you go about your workplace. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have with me a good friend and uh, elder of the Oakwood Church, John Trombley. Hello. How you doing, my brother? Good, good. I'm happy that after months of talking and praying about this, boom, now we're here. Here we are. Huh? <laughs> For the mic between us. Um, and we've been talking about where do we begin? And as we dialogue, we realized Jesus must have had that question himself. And mm -hmm. after much prayer, much time in the Father's presence, the Sermon on the Mount answers the question to us, where did Jesus feel that he needed to, to start? And so if you're at home or wherever you might be, we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 5. Um, this is where uh, Jesus began to, at least in the, the, the way the Gospel of Matthew records this, this is how he, he officially began to engage the crowds and his disciples. So we thought it'd be good to start here. Uh, John, why don't you give us a little bit of a, of a background and initiate this uh, topic? Sure. So, uh, you know, I, the, thing, the first thing we look at is the, the actual scene itself where Jesus is at and, um, you know, this mount that he that he is where he is and uh you know the people that are there they're expecting a a certain type of sermon if you will mm -hmm. when uh because of the religious leaders that they had at the time what they were expecting was kind of the same really um i guess first of all we have to think of what they were expecting from jesus as the as they're looking at him as the messiah they are looking for that that king that's going to um uh, take over the land, if you will. You know, mm -hmm. take over. You know, be their their, the their fighting out king. And... Exactly. Yeah, he's going to keep kick the Romans out. So what they're expecting is exactly uh, kind of the same that what they're used to, as far as from the Pharisees. Which is, uh, you know, if you're if you're blessed here on earth, so to speak, if you have many riches and if you uh, if you're one of the elites, then you're the blessed. Mm. And that's what the, you know, the religious leaders of the time had kind of uh, trained them, if you will, to, to think. And so that's what they're expecting again from Christ, but they get a completely different message from him. So so they had like a, a old 2000 year version of prosperity gospel exactly the more things change the more they stay the same right yeah we, we have that now and uh and you know it's not even you don't even have to go to a church that preaches the prosperity gospel even just those who are out in the world that's kind of what they're expecting as well right uh people that follow christ well then they must have some kind of uh in for mm. for the riches if you will yes um well, i was a massage therapist in south dakota and one of the patients there he was a veteran from the vietnam war and he was skeptical about christianity because while he was in the field in the heat of battle uh, they had a band all christian band that would play hymns and praise songs and of course there were soldiers too and there were two helicopters taking off, one full, filled with those soldiers that were all committed Christians, you know, faithful. They were not doing things with the prostitutes. They were not, you know, drinking or doing none of those things. And then there was his helicopter. <laughs> we were doing all those things. And he said that as they were taking off, 
someone shot a missile and poof, the helicopter blew up and he thought i'm sure glad i'm not a christian wow wow so the, the world tends to associate that that um it, god must be on my side because my pocketbook is very well padded exactly. or my wallet or simply because things are going well for me the winds are filling my sails therefore god must be with me which is a false premise and exactly. that's what i'm hearing from you absolutely and really it's a scary premise because when things do start to go bad for people the first question they ask is well you know where is god so it really mm, is a right. uh, um it's a horrible thing to preach. It's a horrible theology because, again, it puts people on some on some shaky ground. The world we live in is a broken world. Exactly. And the, the, the mantra, you know, good things happen to good people is such a huge lie. Right. Which can become a cruel lie when individuals that are innocent, like children, mm-hmm. you know, get cancer. What, how could you answer that question? Exactly. So you're right. And, and I, I hear that. What was being preached then, we're hearing it today again, I guess. Absolutely. That's the exact same thing. And again, this is what the people were trained to expect. So when Jesus starts uh, preaching and the first things out of his mouth are, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, um, this is something new that they had never Mm -hmm. heard. And so, uh, and once again, it's something that we don't expect even now. And so when he says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, um, this is just some new idea that they had never heard before. And so, and maybe for us today, once again, what does it mean exactly to be, That's um, right. uh, you know, blessed, or I'm sorry, poor in the spirit? What does that mean exactly? Well, I think I'm glad I have you here with <laughs> because I want to ask you, you know, if, if, if you go to church, right, mm-hmm. um, if you know a lot of the Bible, if you can find the Bible books and verses, uh, if you can quote from memory, if you're teaching, Certainly, you have a certain, a crude, a certain amount of, if you will, spiritual wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does the Jesus mean that actually, you know, you would think if, if you know a lot, then you must be okay. Uh, but if you don't, then, then you would think you need to grow spiritually. You need to enrich your spiritual life. But here Jesus is saying, um, actually, you should actually uh, aim for a spiritual poverty. Right. And that's if you just stopped right there. Right. That's that's exactly what you would think that. uh, uh, Well, I guess uh, as long as I don't know anything, I'm okay, Right. (laughs) And by the way, you know, on the opposite end of that, you you know, people that do, you know, lead out in studies and and they have everything memorized and and all of those things. Well, it's uh, it's absolutely true. You go to their house and everything's perfect. Right. Their their kids are just sitting there waiting for uh, their next assignment. And uh, no, it's not the case. We all. we're, we're real people and That's we have right. real problems. It so again, my house. <laughs> right. So again, that prosperity mentality is still, it, it's really dangerous. You know, I'll share this. When I first came into the church and I saw all those who had this all figured out, and I thought, wow, and that's exactly what I thought. Wow, all these people got this figured out. I really got to step up. Mm-hmm. And and there's an element of that, by the way. But, you know, coming from the world and coming here, you do need to step up a little bit. But my point is, is that I thought I was alone here because these people got it all figured out. Uh, so yeah. maybe we need to separate then. Jesus is not saying you should not pray. You should not seek to right. learn from Scripture. Uh, so maybe we should separate from our minds that those things equal being spiritually rich or spiritually robust mm-hmm. but now you pique my curiosity john what did jesus mean when he said blessed are the poor in spirit well exactly i mean he is saying just that you you know if you feel like or if you know maybe not even if you feel like if you know that you 
need something else because you are spiritually mm. poor. And what that, what I think that means anyway is that uh, you know you need something outside of yourself to to uplift you. Mm. You know, the opposite, once again, I always have to go to the opposite. The Pharisees, they were at a point where they thought, look at me, I am rich and in need of nothing, right? They thought uh, they had it all figured out, which was really ironic because as you read the scriptures, they... You know, Paul talks about how they would condemn the Gentiles for the exact same things they were doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to be poor in spirit is to know that you you do need something. Yeah, you are flawed. You know, it, it's funny. I think as human beings, we don't like to admit that we have flaws. Um, you know, we go around, and it's it's part of just of how we're made. We go around hiding those facts. Mm. You know, whatever it might be, whatever uh, issues we might have, but the first step to Christ is uh, admitting, "Yeah, I am flawed. I do need help." Let me let me ask you a question. Sure. And I hope I won't put you in the spot. Nope. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I put myself in the same position as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a provider, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, have you ever been in a situation? I have been in a situation, and I'm asking you: Have you ever been in a situation where? Um, you were in need of financial uh, assistance and you had to go to a family member sure. and say, hey, you know, uh, I, need, I need to pay this bill or the mortgage or whatever. We're behind. Could you help us out? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in that kind of a situation? In the past? I have, absolutely. Yeah, How absolutely. did you feel? Oh, it's it the was- worst feeling in the world. <laughs> you know, it's the worst feeling in the world. Um, you know, with the uh, situation... In, in my life, as far as, you know, being, uh, when I was, once again, when I was diagnosed with cancer, uh, most people know that, uh, that, uh, yeah, there came, we had just bought a house and the idea was we'll be okay because as time goes on, we'll both get our raises and, and stuff like that. So we'll be okay. Well, that didn't happen because, you know, now I'm diagnosed with cancer, um, I'm not able to work, and now uh, that steady stream of raises that we thought were coming, they're not coming. So yeah, we were definitely in that situation. And not to mention, when you do go on to um, uh, you know medical leave, it's not like the money starts right away. <laughs> it, it takes a year, if not two. And so yeah, we you know we were definitely in that situation, and it's horrible. Yes. The worst thing in the world, I think, as a man, I don't know if women deal with this too. But one of the worst things in the world is to have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's horrible to ask for That's help. That's right. Um, you know, brought I up, totally agree with you, brother. I mean, you're brought up to you know pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and get out there and you know you do, go as hard as you can. And that is good advice, by the way. But uh, there comes a Not time. Not when it comes to spiritual things. Yeah, it comes exactly. Yeah, in the workplace, that's a great idea. In the spiritual realm, that's not such a good idea, and it's hard to separate that. That's right, because um, similar experience. <clears throat> I got married with Aline. I was a nurse. Mm-hmm. I was gonna finish further stu- studies. You know, get raises, increase, and all of a sudden, I had to chuck all of that and become jobless, and pretty, pretty much depend on my wife right. to support me while I was back in school mm-hmm. at the seminary. And that was difficult to talk to my father-in-law and look him in the face and exactly. say, you know, you're, the bride you've given me and your daughter, the one that I made you promise that I'll take care of her, <laughs> she'll be taking care of me. Right, right. <laughs> uh, for a man, and, and this is the word that immediately popped into my mind when you said need and you kept repeating need, humility. Mm-hmm. Humility is one of the most difficult pills 
for I don't think just men but hum humans in general to swallow we have a difficult time humbling ourselves to the point we recognize I need but not doing something that I think many people do when they have especially financial needs mm -hmm. I'm not gonna ask my family I'm not gonna ask the church I'm going to ask Visa or MasterCard right. to help me out. Mm -hmm. And so we use credit cards and get into horrendous debts. And I think that transposes into the spiritual life as well. It does. Instead of coming to the place where our need, that need can be met, we go to all of these different rituals and legalistic practices. And all we end up by doing is accruing even more enormous spiritual debt. But I think we were okay. Right. That's a great analogy because it's, a, it's a, absolutely what we do. I mean, it, uh, if you can't admit that you're that you're flawed and you need something outside of yourself something miraculous to change you you know um i use the example of people that uh, you know when you smoke you know it's bad for you you know all the things right you know that it's bad for you you know it's costing you so much money all of those things that you've always heard but it's not until there's a real reason to quit mm -hmm. and and you know from my experience it was it was Christ. It was exactly because, you know, it doesn't add up with Christianity. It doesn't add up to follow Christ and to smoke at the same time. And then to actually say, look, I can't quit. I've tried a thousand times. I can't do it. Uh, I need you to take it away. Mm. And that is when it goes, you know, for me, that was my experience. That's when it goes away, when you give it up. And it wasn't for selfish reasons at that point. You know, all the other selfish reasons, they didn't matter. It was because it was God's word that said, look, you need this out of your life. And mm. so I had to hand it over. I'm listening to you and, and the, in the back of my mind is the echo of that verse, that dialogue between the apostle Paul and Jesus. Mm. Paul saying, hey, can you take this out of my my life this thorn mm -hmm. out of my flesh and jesus says my grace is sufficient for Amen. my strength my strength is made perfect in your weakness um sometimes god has to sustain that awareness of need amen yeah absolutely otherwise we can become self-deceived again right apparently you, you can have this moment of epiphany of revelation hey man i need god in my life but once things stabilize, sometimes we forget. Right. It's the you know it's the old cliche that when things are going well, you know it makes me think of Nebuchadnezzar. Look at everything that I have done. Right. When <laughs> yeah. things are going well, but when things are going bad, then we're that's when people you know look towards heaven. Look towards the heavens. Right. Um, and that's not the experience that Christ wants for us at all. He wants us to always be looking towards the heavens. Right. But, but you're saying we, we, we. Mm -hmm. This this sermon was preached 2,000 years ago. Right. Certainly that's for that generation. Right. That's we for the them. New Testament. We're so above this now. We don't need this. Uh, and, you know, that's that's the... Uh, when, I, when I'm looking at this, I, I think of we have the uh, advantage of hindsight. Mm. We have the advantage of going... We kind of see the whole story, right? We're seeing, well, obviously he meant, you know, him and, and all these things. But... Uh, they have been hearing it for the first time, really. The, the, you know, this generation heard it for the first time. Yeah, once again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Do we absolutely need this now? Oh, is, for is, sure. Is there a prophetic message that you found that speaks to this? This uh, speaks to... Uh, in the, specifically in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Is there something that Jesus, a message from Jesus that has to do with this for the church? Oh, absolutely. It makes me think of uh, a revelation, uh, the Laodicean message, right? Okay. Um, you know, the Laodiceans were rich and in need of nothing. Uh, revelation 3. Mm -hmm. uh, Turn over there real quick. Yes. 
and uh, just for the, those of us that are listening at their homes or don't do this if you're driving right <laughs> <laughs> uh, Revelation 3 I believe 14 yes okay you want to read for us, John? Sure. It says, uh, To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning, and the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Which is pretty strong language. Mm, so yes. we, we might want to listen here. In verse 17, Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. I do not know, or I'm sorry, do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Uh, and then verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see it. Now, obviously, with these verses, there's so much. Oh, yeah. But verse 17 is key. And yeah. this is where the Pharisees were at at the time. Um, just rich and in need of nothing. What's that? And, you know, we can all, uh, you know, look to see what that means exactly, but ultimately it's what we're talking about, right? Mm. They they had thought for so long because of their bloodline that they were fine and that not more more than they were just fine. It was they were special, right? They mm. were the special people of God. And so we have Torah, we right. have the writings, we have the prophets, we have the temple, we have the temple, the sanctuary, the, the law, all of these things. And by the way, why do we have these things? Well, because God thought we were special. That's why. I mean, that is what they had taught themselves for so long. And um, the things that they were given to give to others, they actually took and made it about themselves and how, how great they are. Um, and so if you weren't one of them, so to speak, where did that leave you? You are poor. You're not rich like us. Exactly. You're not part of the elite, spiritual elite group that, that we are. I mean, really, if you think about it, they thought more, they thought less of the Gentiles of the time than dogs. You know, they were worse than, they That's were worse true. than dogs. They were worse than dirt. So how can you preach a gospel <laughs> to people or to people that you think less than dirt? You know, that's, of, that's powerful, very John, easy. because you would think that Satan would have found idolatry and, you know, secular carousing pleasures, drunkenness, all those things to have been the strongest tool to prevent people from hearing Jesus' gospel. Mm -hmm. But actually, Satan figured out a way to use the Bible, the sanctuary, the temple, and the things, everything God had given them sure. actually became the obstacle to receive Jesus. That's a spooky thought. It really is. And I mean, and look at what people don't trust churches today, right? Mm. And it's because of the exact same things. We've all met a Christian who didn't make Christianity not look so good, yes. right? Um, Just last night, I was scanning through the news and they had a concert, a special church service here in Detroit mm -hmm. um, in, in a church. I'm not going to say it. Um, for Aretha Franklin mm -hmm. to celebrate her her life achievements, etc. And there was a female singer named Ariana, Ariana something Spanish. Mm -hmm. And the bishop was going to congratulate her, and he got too close to her. Yes, kind of according to the news, you know, it was very inappropriate with her publicly. Right. And so I just thought, you know, with all of these scandals happening from the other denominations, the Roman Catholic Church in Pennsylvania. You know, thousands mm -hmm. of people coming forward with, you know, accusations. Um, the, the world must be thinking, 
and they're talking down to us. Right, exactly. And, you know, and it puts out this false image of God that we're, you know, we're warned about. And, you know, again, and, and this is where the Pharisees are, too, uh, at this time. We really have to be careful because those things that we can see just like that on the news, we can become ourselves very callous, too, right? And mm. it should make me aware that what's the only way to counteract that exactly, is that right. in my own workplace, I am cognizant that I'm representing Christ That's in exactly my language, right. Right. in my humor, in my comments, in the mm -hmm. way that I treat coworkers, in the way that I treat my superiors. The only way to undo these blows that Christianity really suffers mm -hmm. is not the, the churches or those specific ministries, but Christianity as a whole suffers. The only way to undo that is at a personal level Amen. of people seeing the, the Christianity. But how can I exhibit that Christianity, John? What I'm hearing from you is... Um, how how long have you been now a Christian? Uh, 16 years. 16 years. Yes. So 16 years back, John Tromley woke up and recognized, I need. Mm -hmm. Do you need Jesus today? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, actually, you know, the closer you get to the cross, the more you see your need. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I think for, for us, right, I've been mm -hmm. at this for a while, one of my personal things that I can do for myself is to ask myself, do I sense my need of Jesus more than my my date of conversion mm -hmm. or less? Well, and I think if you feel you need less because you've been at it for, for oh, I know more now, right. therefore I can let my guard down. Right. I think there's a huge red flag for myself. Absolutely. I, I mean, I can't imagine waking up one day and going, ah, I finally arrived, right? <laughs> I mean, that, today I do not need prayer. Right, exactly. That almost, today I do not need to ask God, protect me, protect my family. That's a foolish thought. And yet, John, I can tell you that after my baptism, there have been mornings mm -hmm. that I would wake up thinking, oh, I'm busy today, Lord, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. Mm -hmm. And I think I never recognized that that was not due out of a rebellious heart or the desire to be disobedient to the Lord, simply waking up, not feeling my need. Right. That's yeah. a, and that, that's an alarming thing. You may not think it is, but it is an alarming thing when you can look at yourself and say, I don't need prayer. The Bible, that's optional. Mm -hmm. You know, I need this, 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 but the Bible, I'll get it on Sabbath. Right. Which is one of the reasons we're doing this ministry is to, during the week, um, acknowledge the fact you need Jesus. Whenever you're listening to this, you need Jesus right now. And, you know, you would think that, uh, you know, when certain things come out of our mouths, it really does, like, sometimes it hits us. You know, we, we sometimes have those thoughts, right? Um, you know, hey, I've been, I've been in the church for X amount of years. I don't need to hear that again, right? Oh, we have yeah. those thoughts. When they come out of our mouths, I would hope they would go, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. But, you know, we do. We sometimes fall like into if, these traps. If you were to tell the church, next Sabbath I'm preaching in John 3.16. Oh, boy. How many people would be like, oh, well, I know that verse from right. memory. You exactly. Know, what, more, what more can you tell me out of that verse? Here, that? here in the Adventist church, if you tell me I'm going to go see a, or go to a Daniel Revelation seminar, mm, yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, that, I heard that 17 times. Exactly. Already. I mean, how empty is that usually? By Adventist, anyway. New people are there, but Adventist, that's exactly the, the, the mentality. You know, it's interesting because I preach those. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I can tell you, John, I preach the same sermons, but never the same way. Mm -hmm. There are always new things that mm -hmm. are being brought out by this. And the people that have come 
that actually have ventured to say, I'll support, I'll be nice, I'll mm-hmm. sit there and do my Scrabble or, you know, I'll play Candy Crush or whatever <laughs> while the sermon's going on, but I'll support physically. They've come away saying, I forgot right. 90% of this stuff and the other stuff I never really understood. I, I never got it like, like it is right now. And I think that it, we need to maybe address this in a later episode that you are not the same person you are right now when you heard it 10 years ago. Absolutely. So right. things will, will not resonate with you the same way they did back then. Right. So John 3.16, you can preach on that every Sabbath of the year and you will never have heard it the same way you did, the way you did before. You're not the same person. And the Word of God is alive. Mm-hmm. It will never speak the same way to you as it did back then. Right, and I can, you know, I can definitely piggyback on that. I mean, you know, when you when you teach it, when you, when you do not just Daniel Revelation, just anything, um, and then you go back and you and you look at your notes and you go to teach it again yeah. some other time. You know, oftentimes I've had the thought of what? Oh my goodness, I can't believe I was leading out. This is ridiculous. You know. Uh, so you're right. I mean, you never. You, we are all. And this, I guess, you know, going back to the original uh, verses that we're looking at, we definitely need to remember how much we do need Christ. Mm. How, so that so you ask the question, you know, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? And do we need to stay there? And oftentimes, you know, when I've read this in the past, when I thought of staying in the uh, poor in spirit, it just seems like when when we read the the Mount of Blessings, when we when we read these the, the Beatitudes, it almost seems like Christ wants you to be depressed and down <laughs> all the time. You know, it's like, man, if uh, this is you know, do I need to? hit myself with sticks and everything else yeah. but uh, that's not what he's talking about but it is a good practice to know that yeah you do you have to be in that state of need mm. um, you, you mentioned John that part of your journey as of recent years has had to deal with relating to cancer mm-hmm. um, you, you you and I have talked about this and we've created actually a video of your testimony in this regards mm-hmm. there is I believe a part of you that yes I'm not happy hearing the fact that I have cancer, but what would be the other option to not know about it? Right. And how would your life be right now had you never heard that you had cancer? Mm -hmm. Would you still be here, right? Yeah, probably Uh, not. And so there is a part that is painful and uncomfortable in hearing you have a need, a serious life or death need. Mm -hmm. But along with that, I believe that there's a part that is joy that there's time to do something about it. Amen, yeah. And so, yes, I, I, I do agree with you that though Jesus seems to be saying, you know, there's this negative aspect, mm-hmm. it is essential because all, Jesus is not tagging to us any negative labels. What Jesus is seeking to do is to reveal a condition that is already pre-existent. Mm. He's not giving us cancer. Amen. He's revealing we got it, we've had it, and unless we do something about it, we will die. So, for I mean, for me, high cholesterol, Mm-hmm. I probably would not be here right now if God's providence hadn't led me into a better lifestyle practices uh, a decade and a half ago, almost two decades ago. So yeah, it's a bummer that you know I, I have this knowledge right. <laughs> that I I'm, I need to watch myself. I need to watch what I eat. But brother, there's a deep joy in the fact that I know that. Amen. And you know that's a great analogy because the what people do even in in health if they find out they have something. Some people take the route of, well, you know what? I don't want to hear anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. I want to stick my head in the sand. I don't want to hear yeah. about it. And ultimately, what happens? Ignorance is bliss. Is it, it wrong? Exactly. Uh, you know, again, eventually, you are still, it's still there. That, Like you said, that exists. It still, it still exists. It's still there. You're not doing anything. And that's how people, 
relate to the health, but that's also how people relate to their spiritual lives, too. Yeah. I mean, Jesus said it, right? You read it. You do not know. Mm. Like, you did not know you had cancer. Right. I did not know I had cholesterol. I'm a trim guy. I, I love soccer. I would have never imagined my cholesterol being through the roof. Right. I did not know unless my blood, through a test, revealed it. Um, and so, I guess, now we can begin segueing and, and landing this plane. Yeah. John, what are some ways that God, Jesus lets us know? Mm. Because this is the, the issue, right? You did not know you had cancer, but there were tests that were done, and boom, here it is. I did not know I had cholesterol. Give us some blood, boom, here it is. Mm -hmm. how, did, how did Jesus show you you needed him? Uh, you know, for me, it wasn't even uh, like I was searching necessarily. I guess I was, but I had, I had kind of put it to the back shelf again, if you will. And... Uh, I was a I was a weird case because I didn't I didn't realize once again that I was uh, naked or blind or all those things. <laughs> I was fine being what I was, um, but God kept kind of nagging me, if you will. You know, He mm. kept uh, you know uh, the the short version. A friend had finally I was an atheist at one point, and then uh, a friend had got me to admit that okay, there must have been a creator because all of this just can't happen. And from there, it kind of opened the window. Well, if there is this creator, then what what is he all about? Um, and so I kept kind of looking and searching very half-heartedly, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. But, uh, you know, eventually I started hearing these, these truths, and I realized just that, that they were truths, and that, uh-oh, God is real. So if he is real, well, then I really need to check him out. I really need to figure this out. And so that's that's what I started doing, started doing that research. So it wasn't so much that, hey, life was falling apart around me, which it was, but I didn't I didn't notice it right away. I didn't really notice, you know, in hindsight, I was like, wow, you know, uh, I often joke, I don't know why my wife ever married me, you know, <laughs> because what she married wasn't uh, exactly that great, you know. But uh, I didn't realize these things were falling apart. It wasn't until I saw that, it was really for me it was oh hey god's real let's check him out because if he's real then there's really something you need to know mm. i can't just decide for myself i can't put him in the box that i want to put him in he's he's in control right that's what uh, the daniel revelation studies show us that god is in control ultimately so i had to look at that and then it made me realize, uh-oh, you've mm. got to fix some stuff, you know. Mm. So it wasn't so much, again, that things were falling apart and I needed it. It was, I realized he was true, uh-oh, I have a need. <laughs> so mm. so for me, that's how it, it kind of came about. You know, that that's powerful because in a sense then, at least in the experience of the definition, we got a lot more atheists than we think we do. Mm -hmm. Because maybe God is not real. I don't recognize the level of accuracy of of his life i mean people will come to a seminar and hear about jesus is coming again instead of being happy news they're like oh oh i'm in trouble mm -hmm. I, I see that this is true um but conversely prophecies not only reveal that jesus is coming soon to destroy sin and sinners prophecies shows that jesus is right now seeking to save individuals Amen. Right. and he be, we, we discovered a monumental i think truth mm -hmm. it, the experience that people will have as they begin to this journey of of spiritual awakening or conversion if you will doesn't begin with feeling happy or joyful um, the first one is you will always start with you need you have a need right um, and that never goes away mm -hmm. 
And that's a good thing. Right. Because it will keep you at the foot of the cross every day, clinging to Jesus. Because um, like you said it, I, I love how you put it. I knew I needed Jesus. I discovered I needed Jesus back then, but today I know I need him more. Amen. Because I see how much more of my life needs fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is listening right now as we close, John, anything that you would like to say to anyone out there that is listening to this right now? Well, I guess, you know, if there's a, a uh, what do you take from this type of thing, it would be that if you do feel you need a need and that you're not... I think sometimes people think that they need to be perfect before they can come to Christ. Mm. But actually what Christ is saying is just come to me as you are. Mm. Um, and by the way, you're not alone. When you walk into, when you, when you come to Christ or you walk into the church, uh, the experience that I had where I thought, oh man, I've got to get perfect like the rest of these people, uh, we're not perfect either. Don't we, let ties and suits <laughs> deceive you. Right, exactly. We need, we need Christ just mm. as much as you do. So I guess that would be my, that's, that's the, the thought, that's the, uh, the appeal, the, ap- the application is, is that I guess first of all, for those who are saying, yeah, I, I have that need, I need, to, I need to find out more, don't hesitate. Mm. You know, uh, Come, come and, and figure this out. Come and let us reason together. That's what God says. That's what God tells us in the scriptures. Let's come and reason together. So, uh, you have questions? Then good. You're you're in good company. Have questions. He's not uh, he's not a hard God that doesn't allow you to ask him questions. He he wants those mm, questions. Amen. He wants to break down those walls that have been put up about him. So, amen. Yeah. Uh, John, thank you. Thank you. This was extremely helpful. And I pray this was a blessing for you and we look forward to providing more episodes for you in regards to this first sermon that Jesus gave us and the beautiful truths that truly Jesus says the truth would set us free.